Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Hallowed Eve to y'alls. Is it Hallowed Eve or Hallowed Eve? Hallows Eve. Happy All Hallows Eve to y'alls. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Now, this is when the ghosts and the goblins come out. Some of you are driving home right now as we speak. Watch out for those little critters. All dressed up. Their little bucket in hand. Skyboy walked in in the cutest little outfit. His little belly poking out. He's got a little bucket with a big jack-o'-lantern on it. Sky, you ready for tonight? I have been prepping all year for tonight. What are you going as exactly? Because it it appears to be some kind of a cyst or some kind of a growth thing. That's what I was going for. You nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. You are dressed up as an Iowa Hawkeye. Not dressed up as the Hawkeye. No, that would be different. Yeah, I'd have like feathers and... How come none of you are wearing costumes? Because we're adults and we have jobs. Okay. That's accurate. Well, that's kind of direct. I would wear a costume. Where is it? We're at work, so... Hold on. Did I not just see somebody come through one of the other show hosts that was in costume? Did anybody see that? Really? I didn't see that. She was sporting a Utah Highway Patrol costume? Yeah. That, by the way, scared the crud out of me. Like, oh no, this hallway is going to be shut down for the next two and a half I years. I thought I was being served <laughs> papers for a divorce or something. Because mm. she's walking in. That's how they serve papers. All oh, the constables here. And I saw her and my heart dropped. Actually, I was in my car. But then she went and got in a white car. And then I knew she wasn't a cop because she left her hat on. Real cops don't leave their hat on when they get in the car. Hello. Real cops are packing heat. I didn't see heat. I just saw Kim Powers wearing a hat, looking like a cop. It was very accurate, though. Totally. I was scared. I'm not dressed up, except Skyboy says I look like Johnny Cash. You look a lot like Johnny Cash today. Thank you. Thanks. Yep. <sighs> Even your hair is kind of doing the... No, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it totally is. Did you dye it? it looks I dye it every day. Okay. Dye my hair. Are you kidding? <laughs> you start that, you're messed up. You can't back out of dyeing your hair. Once you've started, you're in. How do you back out of that? You know? You stop? No. Then you got gray. <laughs> then you got gray roots or whatever. Can't stop that. No. This is all real, man. It's all real. <sighs> Halloween. Have you ever seen the like weird gray combing brush dyes for men? I have. Where like I've they seen actually that. put gray in your hair? I don't understand. Oh gray? That. Yeah, that's messed up. It's for dance. I mean it's for it's for um plays and stuff. What man would want to dye his hair gray? That's crazy. Well, I hear it's like somewhat attractive to employers. Oh, there's another cop. Great. Everyone's dressed like cops today. I don't mean to interrupt you, but honestly, there's cops everywhere here. Scary. scary. Uh, So you think it's it's it makes us look more manly? We learned earlier on a show. More like you you like have a little bit of wisdom. Well, yeah. If it's too gray, then you're too old. If it's not gray at all, you're too young. But if it's like right in between. Yeah. The word is distinguished. Yeah, that's the word. Like George Clooney. Distinguished. Like George Clooney. He's distinguished. Or Mr. Fantastic. Where do you think I fit? Because I don't have, I just have a little gray. Just a little bit. A little frosty. You're almost distinguished. (laughs) Okay. 
That was kind of <laughs> rude. I think your personality masks your physical features. What? <laughs> what do you mean by that? What is? What do you mean? My personality hides some of my physical traits. I don't think people look at you and judge you based on the color of your hair. You have too much personality coming out that they can't even get to that part. Yeah, keep talking. Try to get out of that. I feel like Sky's trying to talk his way out of something. Yeah, I feel like he's trying to. He's a little jealous of you in that sense. Well, I think it's. Yeah, I think he should be. If you quite honestly. If you just look at me. <laughs> um, why are we talking about this? Oh, Halloween, by the way. Halloween, yeah. Halloween. Tonight's the night. It's the are you night. guys going trick-or-treating? I am. You're not? None of you? What are you doing? <laughs> I have a giant midterm due at 9 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. You're kidding. I'm going to be up all night trying to get this thing done. Once again, cramming. It's not cramming, Matt. <laughs> I <laughs> wish... If it was like cramming, cramming, that means it would have had, you know... A couple days off. Yeah, you didn't. You've I been didn't. busy. This has been a busy week for you. Yeah. I'm a very busy person. Yeah. It's been a very big week I for mean, me. you're up to, what, 30 hours of work and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be killing you. Yeah. <laughs> I usually don't work that much in yeah, two no. weeks. Right? No, it's killing you. Yeah. So um, you're doing nothing. Uh, Bryce, Levon, Toby. I will cite my last answer. Uh, I am an adult and I have work. Okay, so well, work will end about six, right? Um, you got night work you're doing? Are well, you let's push it to five, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think your work, <laughs> think all, your work ends about 4.30, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, well, not according to the time clock. <laughs> according to our brains, it might but You've be done a case. lot of work before the show. Yes. So you're not going to do anything tonight? No, I'm going to have some time for myself and not – I might go to the gym because mm. everyone's going to be out with their kids and they're not going to be at the gym. They're not going to be bothering me at the gym. You're sounding like curmudgeonly. Yes, that's yes. He's the Scrooge of Halloween. What? Do, what? Who is? The, what do we call the Scrooge of Halloween? I don't know because well, it seems kind of Halloweenish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a Scrooge. No, Halloween. no. See, all you do is you you live in an apartment building like I do, uh, with tons of young families like I do, and then everyone comes to your door asking for candy. Are you? Do you give candy? No. <laughs> that's I, that's, I, the that's what I was wondering. You guys buying candy? We have jack o' lanterns out in front of our um, our door. We're gonna have the light on. Actually, we're gonna replace one of the light bulbs with a colored light bulb. And then people are gonna come to our door, and I'm gonna say we don't have candy. And then I'm gonna make them walk back down three flights of stairs. Oh, that's just rude. Isn't it great? You're yeah, jealous. You're the devil. You can tell me. That's what. But we I'm call the devil on Halloween, so it's cool. <laughs> it fits. It fits. Man. Hey, Merritt. These guys are depressing. I know. They need lives. Can they hear I've been us? trying. Okay, Merritt, what are you going to do? Pull this Me? group out of the hole, the abyss. I'm going to dinner and a concert. And not even close. Uh, yeah. Dinner and a concert on Halloween. Yeah. It's like, well, it's not really a concert. It's like a show. Is it it's like, ghosts, but is it like, so I feel like that's is it like, okay, what, what, what's the play? Really it's fast? called Deep Love, a ghostly folk opera. They actually um, did a broadcast on BYU Radio last week. Really? Yep. It's, it's for smart people, isn't it? Um, it's smart people. <laughs> yeah. I'll if, let you no, decide that. You have I'm, like, I'm battling go. between the fact that I really like that validation and the fact that I don't think it's actually true. So No, it's for smart people. <laughs> Anything that you'd use the word faux and opera in the scent, in the title of it, it's... It, it was folk. Oh, folk. folk. Oh, that's different. opera. That's not... Like, kind of like rock it. opera, except folk. I thought you said faux. 
No, that <laughs> that would change things up. Yeah, okay. Bit. Well, that sounds fun for, I don't know, about a half hour. <laughs> then are you going to go, are you dressing up? No. <sighs> you guys, you know, there's there's listeners that have lives, that have families, that have parties to go to. You know what we're doing to, for them? What? We're making them feel better about themselves. That's they what we're trying to do. have things to do. That is the goal of this show, is to make you all, we try to show you how weak and pathetic our lives are. So that you all feel better. It's all just comparisons. <laughs> it kind of is, though, isn't it? That's how life kind of <laughs> rolls. Okay, Hannah, tell me you're doing something fun tonight. I am. You're I not. have another job <laughs> in the evening where I coordinate events. So I organized a shutdown Center Street dance party where we shut down Center Street in Provo. And then we have like 2,000 people cram on a street, even though it's freezing. That's coming tonight. Tonight yeah, you're so shutting down a, a... Center Street in Provo. Wow. And that's then a big, deal. big dance party with balloon drops and everyone dresses up and See, stuff. you've got something going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mostly Are you dressing to be looking, up? I am. As what? Well, I have my Tinkerbell costume, but oh, I kind boy. of feel like that's not warm enough. So Did you I'll borrow that from some. Skyboy? Yeah, he was really nice to let me borrow I was looking it. for that. <laughs> I don't think Are you serious? <laughs> stole it. Were you in my locker? <laughs> I was wondering because it seemed to fit you a little big. Yeah, hmm. it was good. So you're not going as Tinkerbell because it's well, it's cold. just too cold. So I'll probably wear like I have this floor length green dress and like a head wreath. So I'll be like Athena or something. Wow. Times are changing. Like, what happened to just being Dracula? Yeah, it's weird. Favorite favorite costume <laughs> of all time? Go. Power Rangers. Wow, really? When was that? That's cool. I think I did that, like, what? First grade? Second grade? That's good. Skyboy, favorite costume of all time? I mean, your life's a costume, but what's your favorite <laughs> one that you, wear, you wore on Halloween? I'm trying to remember a costume I wore on Halloween. It's, yeah. uh, it's been a while. Guess what? Oh, Merit, let's go. What's your favorite costume of all time? When I was a kid? I bet, I bet it was like, I know, Beethoven. <laughs> that would be absolutely wonderful, but Mozart. No. Okay, I what? did it like Alice in Wonderland, Disney style. That was pretty cool. That is cool. Yep. That's cool. Hannah Montana? Um, a hairstylist accidentally dyed my hair red instead of blonde hmm. last year, and so I was Ariel. Wow, that's cool. I, I can a remember scarring two costumes. experience, but okay. something good came out of it. Sky, by the way, from one redhead to another, Sky. I can remember two costumes. I remember yeah. when I was super young, my mom made me a Robin Hood Cute. costume. Tights? That's where the tights started. Yeah, that's where they started. Okay. I think I did wear tights on that. Yeah. <laughs> of course you did. And then uh, I, when I was in elementary school, mm -hmm. we had like a cardboard thing that went over my head, and I was like a a head on a platter cute and, like, we had like a table that's that went cute. around yeah we had like lifted it up and that's good that's a lot of work i don't know if cute's the right word i mean I we mean, weren't going for the cute look with that one we were trying to yeah scare people but, yeah you know hardcore well hardcore third grade scaring yeah totally. yeah yeah that's scary but cute okay bryce you were gonna grab that oh well i was just gonna say the reason why the green power ranger is the best costume out of all the costumes yeah why green power ranger is the best power ranger out of them okay for it number one he was a bad guy okay then yeah. he became a good guy so bad to good. So that's good. That's, that's cool. life. Uh, he had a knife that was actually a flute that he would play that would then summon robot Godzilla hmm. to come and help him. But first it came out of the ocean and destroyed the city. Beat that. Alice in Wonderland has like a psychedelic cat. 
The Cheshire Cat, which still to this day gives me nightmares. Exactly. See, it has more power over you. I win. Wow. Yes, but yeah. knife flute. <laughs> well, you can't, yeah, you don't overlook the knife flute. <laughs> you never know when he'll summon Godzilla. Like, do I need to fight you or serenade you? Who? I could just I'm give ready. you one of my little cookies and you'd streak. Okay, that, you know what, the mere fact that you just spewed Green Power Ranger <laughs> talk like that, you win the show. Yes! <laughs> That is the award of the show. Fifteen minutes in. Wasted life of the show. That is crazy. My son loved the Green Ranger, and I had no idea he had a magical knife flute. Where was I? Neglecting my my son. Well, we've got a show to do other than that. Other than Halloween. Well, I hope you all have a really boring, hard... Uh, mean Halloween. Thank you, Matt. Not boring. Not that yours is going to be boring, Merritt. It will not be boring. A fun, full... Intellectually stimulating. Yeah. There we go. She broke into... I know. I don't know where that came from. It's like you're channeling into me. It's a Utah... You hear it all the time. Dang it. Uh, So today, though, on the show, here's the deal. So I had a client. They're divorcing. And the wife asked me this question. Actually, it was from the husband because he wants to divorce because she's, I don't know, evil spawn of Satan, he basically said. And <laughs> to I'm paraphrase. Like, yeah, to paraphrase him. He's done. But he doesn't – he wants it to go – he wants us to be close. He's, he's Not to me. He doesn't care. But to her, he's like, I want us to still be close. So I want to do holidays together. I mean I could see you'll come over for dinner. Sure, we're divorcing. Can't stand you. Obviously, I'm having to do this because you're bad for the kids. So, but we don't need to get a turn anyway. Let's just be friends. So then they ask me, "Okay, uh, are we supposed to like go together on Halloween? Do we hang out for Halloween?" So they're brand new divorced. Do we hang out? No. Why not, Matt? Well, Halloween, you might be able to. Then they, then Christmas. Let's do it for Christmas. He can just, he just thinks, why not? Just I might even be able to stay over this year for Christmas because neither of us has anybody else. So I'll just <laughs> stay over. We'll have Christmas Eve and Christmas morning together with our kids. And I looked at him. I'm like, you're divorcing. You're divorcing for a reason, right? Are you separating or are you not separating? Yeah, what are we doing this for? And then he's like, well, isn't that best for the kids? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess this year that'll be great. And then next year, what do we do? What do we do next year when your wife has a boyfriend or a husband and doesn't want you sleeping over? Awkward. So this creates this weird complexity. Now check this out. Bad Halloween memory, but not so bad. I remember trying on my Superman costume, standing there. My mom says, come here. I want to talk to you. So she got me talking while she was trying on my Superman costume. And she, this is when she said, you know what? I've got some stuff to tell you about your dad and I. We're, your dad and I are going to divorce. Halloween. I remember. I even remember. I have a picture of me smiling, wearing the same costume. Happy Halloween, man. That's when I found out. And I was okay with it because he hadn't lived with us for a couple of years. But it was, I was sad. Like, that was sad. And then I said, oh, great. Well, anyway, so can I wear the mask or should I wear <laughs> cool what story, should Mom. I wear? Yeah. But kids, you know, they're resilient. They can handle it. But I think it's the parents that seem to mess it up. So today we're talking about co-parenting. How do you parent effectively after going through a divorce, and we've got the expert of all experts. An expert that has received an award from the Queen. Queen Elizabeth II has given this man an award. So he, like our own Bryce Lamar Tobin, is an award-winning 
contributor to the Matt Townsend Show. Bryce, do you want to say something about your award? Uh, I have not yet won the respects of the Queen. I'll be taking care of that soon, though. Yes. If you would just walk around the campus, I'm sure someone's dressed as the Queen. I'm sure I could find a Queen somewhere. <laughs> queen. And, and get the award. We're going to take a break. We're coming right back. Our own Bryce Lamar Tobin is going to give us uh, a little bit of a rant, a little bit of a rumination. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Welcome back, everybody. A little tribute to Johnny Cash. I guess I'm dressed as Johnny Cash today. You wear a black shirt. Black kind of cowboyish shirt. Johnny Cash. Well, and your hair is doing the same little... My hair does that same... Turn this up. I went down, 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 and the flames This guy's rocking. Notice I'm not wearing headphones Yeah. I appreciate the trumpet music in the background. Skyboy's on trumpet. I love that. I am Johnny Cash. I didn't even know I was wearing a costume. I'm wearing a costume. Johnny Cash. Auto costume. Auto costume and our own Skyboy dressed as a trumpeter for Johnny Cash. I, I can be the trumpet. My shirt's yellow. You are the trumpet. You I'm seem golden. Trumpet. trumpet. Nice brass. Yeah. You're, you're more like the spit cup in a trumpet. Is there a spit There's cup? There's not a spit cup. They have a spit valve. Valve. That That's they it. open up. Yeah. And they blow in and spit comes out. You're not like mm. that. Yeah. Um, welcome back to the show. Our own Bryce Tobin. <laughs> ah. I gotta get a middle name, man. Hey, One day. Hey, someday. the day you leave, because you you have to go to the big world someday. Someday. When you go, will you let us in on the middle name? I might. We'll see. You never let us in on your girlfriend's name. Yeah, I guess that doesn't really apply now. But I'll just hold on to the mystery. Is she gone? Has she moved on? Has she passed? <laughs> the offer's still on the table. Take me out to dinner. I'll tell you the name. How about if I buy you more Skittles? I would we'll prefer s- Helen. We'll see how that goes. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You guys are you guys. See? Just because you have just because you're buddies. Scuba buddies. Give give us an inch, we'll take a mile. So uh you have a family story about a five o'clock pizza? Or no, the four o'clock pizza. Really? Let's hear about it. Now, please allow me to share with you a Tobin family legend. It's a story of co-parenting, but from an outsider's perspective. Here's the setup. Many years ago, my dad's parents got divorced. There's four kids in that family. My dad is the oldest. Then there's my Aunt Patty, whom I love very much. Next in line is my Uncle John, whom I am apparently a clone of. At this point in the story, my dad and Patty have moved out and no longer live with my grandmother. John is about 16 or 17. My grandmother got remarried to a wonderful guy named Irv. They're all living together in Boston at the time. And here's a little more info about Irv. Not only does he enjoy cooking, he's very good at it. He's also very German. This meant fantastic meals were prepared and promptly eaten at 6.30 most days. Now, John went to school in town, which meant he had a bit of a commute to and from. He'd be home for dinner, but a strange pattern was emerging. John never seemed to be finishing these fabulous meals Irv would prepare, which is weird for a teenage boy. They have a lot in common with vacuums and garbage disposals when it comes to food. If Descartes said, I think, therefore I am, then teenage boys say, if it's edible, then I've already consumed it. Anyway, this pattern in John raised 
some eyebrows. Is John sick? Is he feeling depressed? What should we do? But let's also pull back to Irv's perspective. Was John rebelling as teenagers do? Was he getting back at Irv for being his stepdad? It's not really John's style, but with teenagers, you never know. Should he say something? Should he tell his mom to say something? After a while, they couldn't take it, and Irv stepped up and asked what his deal was. John hesitantly confessed that on the way back from school, he would normally stop and get a pizza around 4 o'clock. No malice, no rebellion, just hunger and impulsivity. From what we hear, there was a mixture of relief and shame on the part of my grandparents. They were glad it wasn't anything to be worried about, but what the heck was John thinking? And in true older sibling fashion, my father and Patty would mock John every now and then. And don't worry, the habit has been passed on to their children. Anytime we don't finish our dinner, we stand a chance of getting accused of eating a 4 o'clock pizza. And thus the story has since been referred to as the 4 o'clock pizza. And the moral of the story is, don't be afraid to co-parent. In these kinds of situations, you're never going to have the whole story. Maybe there won't really be a problem and you'll overstep your boundaries, which is embarrassing. But who knows, maybe there's actually a problem, and your interference may just save the day. You know what? Brand new, award-winning rumination. We should get some pizza. I think that was... Concurred. Yeah, it's hypothetical. It's a metaphor. It's just, yeah, this is a metaphor of life. We automatically kind of think the worst. He hates me. This is very common. Something's wrong. Doesn't doesn't like my food. Nah, it's just John. It's just John. John eats pizza at four. John's got a schedule. John's not thinking about you. That's what I love about the uh, about kids. Kids are very resilient. Kids actually, again, a child of divorce. We can handle it. It's not probably ideal, but then sometimes, honestly, divorce is better, right? And so parents, move on. Get healthy. Learn how to co-parent. I mean, it's scary when you think of some of the divorce stats. We'll talk about those um, for a minute when we come back at the beginning of this next segment. I want to get into – there's a lot of kids out there being raised without dad in the home or mom in the home. And it's not enough to just say we're going to divorce. You also got to co-parent. Why should the kids suffer? Because you, too, couldn't get along. And again, Johnny Cash. Symbolic of divorce during the fire. Um, happy Halloween. We're coming right back. We're talking to the, the expert. Dr. Edward Crook's going to be joining us. How to co-parent. He's got the ideas, the tools. Hey, and if you're a parent that's not divorced, uh, this might be some great insight how to parent together. <laughs> Be on the same team. Don't let your kids divide you. We're taking a break. We'll be right back with the good doctor right after this break. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. What you got? Do you just love Huey Lewis? I love Huey Lewis. And the news. Seriously, this was this was like the high schoolish kind of Halloween movie you'd want to see. Weird. This was hot. I thought I thought Huey Lewis was on Back to the Future. Is this Huey Lewis? This no. is Huey Lewis. No, it, well it is, but uh well Isn't it? This is Huey Lewis. Maybe not. Look that up. Somebody Google that. Oh, no one's moving. Um, this is our Halloween celebration music, Ghostbusters. It's so groovy. It's not even just <laughs> groovy. It's hip. 
It's happening. Have you heard the mashup? It's called Thunderbusters, where they took uh, ACDC's Thunderstruck. Cause no. It, moves at the same beat as the song so yeah. it's like acdc and ghostbusters sounds like heaven call it thunderbusters good video thunderbusters happy halloween to all y'all today we're talking not just about a halloween subject but you know it's a typical time place where we might run into uh, a little bit of a problem if you've gone through a divorce which merit apparently a lot of people have yeah a Give us some numbers. And this is these are some statistics about divorce, particularly with children. So, forty three percent of children growing up in America today are being raised without their fathers. Forty three have 43. no father influence. Have no fathers without oh, their fathers. The fathers aren't in their okay, life. For whatever that's reason. tragic. That is tragic. Yeah. I can't. I love my dad. I did that not, would yeah. be horrible for me. I love my. That's not healthy. Okay? Yeah. Um. Twenty eight percent of children living with a divorced parent live in a household with an income below the poverty line. Mm. That's one of the byproducts of divorce. Yep. We tend to drop below the poverty line. Yep. And um. So and most of these kids, they'll struggle in school and they'll struggle with um, seeing their parents argue. So it's kind of something that we need to address. That you need to work together and help. You know, a divorce, divorces happen, but yeah. it doesn't need to be as right. painful for kids right. as it is. And and I think we just kind of say, oh, you know, kids are resilient. And they are. They really are. And there's a lot you can learn. So if we're going to go through a divorce, if you know anybody that has, hey, this will be podcastable. You can get them to listen to this anytime. But you be listening. And we're going to be talking right now. I want to bring on the expert of all experts when it comes to uh Co-parenting. And again, as a guy, I've been a divorce mediator. I've sat down and, you know, helped people work through the process of divorce. And one of the places it gets really crazy, really slippery is in co-parenting. And I really I feel strongly that as, um, you know, kind of as government intervenes and you have to go through the government, the courts in order to get the divorce, where I think we drop the ball a lot is in co-parenting and making sure we know how to do that. Some states actually uh, make you go take a class and you have to learn how to go through the process and, and do things. But I, I'm not quite sure it's enough. And so we're going to talk to our, our good guest. Dr. Edward Crook is joining us. He's an associate professor of social work at the University of British Columbia. He's the author of Divorced Fathers, Children's Needs and Parental Responsibilities. He's a very, uh, he's a great uh, writer on a popular monthly blog called Co-Parenting After Divorce, which you can find at Psychology Today. He has been cited as Canada's leading child custody expert by two national newspapers. And here it is, the award of all awards. He was recently awarded the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal for his service and research on the best interests of children of divorce. He is the real deal. You can find more information out about him at edwardcruck, K-R-U-K dot com. He's also, by the way, just for fun, he's a, he's a uh, founding member of Bounce Collective, a group of progressive West Coast DJs. So he's, an, he's, he's won an award from the Queen, and he's a DJ. Boom. Let's go to Dr. Crook. Dr. Crook, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Well, thanks very much, and thanks for that very generous introduction. You bet. I think, uh, to me, it's fascinating to find out kind of more of the side story to you. You're, you, you're, a, you're a DJ. 
that, that's uh, a little bit of you know the fun side. Yeah, uh, you're hip. You know, a, a little counterpoint to the very kind of rigorous demands of academia. Yeah, I live in a nice uh, small kind of uh, West Coast community, an island community, and yes, we've got a little collective of DJs and that's awesome. hold monthly dances, and uh, it's all great fun. That's great. But yeah, well, and we don't want to. You know, to me, I think that's really cool because we just played Ghostbusters, and none of us knew who sings it. Do you know who sings Ghostbusters? Uh, you know, I don't actually. Oh, I thought I for confess. sure you know. That's all right. We'll check it up. There's this thing called Google. We'll look at it. So, uh, Dr. Crook, help us out with this. Um, I, I, too, I'm a, I'm a child of divorced parents, hmm. and uh, I had it pretty good in a way. Both my parents lived in town. I was able to actually worked every day with my dad. He'd pick me up after school uh, when I got a little older, and I'd go work at his office, and then I'd come home when my mom would get home from work, and boom, I was there. I was raised. My sisters you know, were there for me. And, but co-parenting, it's a big deal, right? And um, tell us just what – how does divorce really what, – what's the data? What's the research you've learned about how divorce impacts the kids? Okay, well, divorce itself doesn't necessarily have to have a negative impact. The situation you described growing up uh, is ideal. Um, I think uh, it's clear today that it isn't divorce per se as much as some of the negative factors that are associated with divorce. Number one, um, when one of the relationships with a parent is threatened, um, that the, you know, previously a child had enjoyed kind of loving, nurturing, meaningful relationships with both parents, and that's suddenly threatened with a divorce, especially in those states where there's kind of a, well, there's never a sole custody presumption as such, legal presumption, but judges in contested cases seem to prefer to make determinations where a child lives with one parent only and has sporadic visits with the other. And that's kind of a dangerous situation because... Um, often those parents, they're most often fathers, but a significant mother, a number of mothers as well, uh, they find that they're, over time their relationships are kind of diminished and threatened and mm. the constraints of, you know, visiting rather yeah. than, you know, having a meaningful relationships are difficult. But also the other, the custodial parents sometimes can, uh, you know, put limitations to contact. The other uh, aspect that's quite uh, problematic for children is children being caught in the middle of conflict between their parents. Right. So um, where there's a custody battle and uh, and that's ongoing, you know, battles over access and uh, parenting time, when children are placed in the middle of that and are witnessing that kind of conflict between their parents, uh, you know, it's one thing to see, you know, conflict sort of uh, time-limited and then eventually resolved, yeah. that's fine. And then we kind but of move on healthy. Over a period of years, that that's just, um, just very harmful for children. Yeah. And then, you know, some of the things you mentioned earlier, they're associated just the instability and, you know, all routines and friends and neighborhoods changing uh, after divorce, uh, poverty being associated with divorce as well. Uh, those are also kind of harmful. But the two key uh, elements are that children are able to maintain uh, relationships with both parents, meaningful relationships, and that they're not caught in the middle of conflict. Right. It's. Um, I think what we think is, uh, I love that you differentiate it. Divorce isn't the problem, right? So there's, mm. but divorce kind of generates situations and 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 things 
one other that I think is is pretty important is um, sometimes when we divorce, we we end up you know remarrying or dating other people, and so then all of a sudden we have other social circles around our family that maybe aren't as bought in or as and it's not even the partner you're dating they'll be bought into your children but sometimes their family extended family friends neighbors so you end up having more people around your children that uh that maybe aren't as loyal is that yeah yeah well you know parents are the primary caregivers of children and um they you know they're the most important and then you know the grandparents also uh, yeah. and an extended family but then when you bring in a whole host of new adults it can get pretty confusing for kids although you know they they are resilient and they seem yeah. to it's not necessarily going to be um negative for right. them there there uh, are benefits to having twice as many grandparents and twice as many parents there's potential yeah, there benefits there are some uh, you know side benefits to that definitely what what do you think i mean it's funny that we we use the word co-parent um, and as I just work with a lot of couples, I, I can see there's so many that even struggle parenting when they're married. So now we're going to actually create a legal, dis, a legal divorce, put them in different camps, and then we actually expect them to co-parent with even more issues and, you know, space and time issues and financial strain. Is, is it, I guess, is it, can both parents, do we really co-parent? I mean, it seems like we have to figure that out. And uh, and what do you what do you sense is the what's getting in the way of parents actually doing good co-parenting, being a good co-parent? Yeah, well, um, interestingly, sometimes highly conflicted couples uh, when they're residing together, living together in a marital or cohabiting situation, um, they find that actually after separation. Um, they can do a much better job. and they, they can separate out their marital conflicts from before. They put those aside. They eventually get over it and get on with their lives. And then they're able to uh, exclusively focus on mm. their parenting responsibilities. So to the, the extent that parents are able to separate out those former marital conflicts from their ongoing parenting responsibilities, things usually work out pretty well. Yeah. But again, if uh, if they're locked in conflict, if one uh, hasn't come to terms with the reality of the separation, if their uh, marital conflicts just go on and on even after separation and uh, and kids witness that, that's uh, a bad situation. But um, more and more, um, we see you know supports being developed for. Uh, parents of divorce, um, they can get a me- help uh, through a family mediator or um, or a parenting coordinator or parenting education programs. And um, I think that's critical, actually, because I don't think our society really supports parents uh, yeah. to be responsive to their children's needs after divorce. Uh, parents are usually left alone and Kind of, you know, the expectation is they'll figure it out themselves. Yeah. But if in high conflict situations, they're not always able to do that. So, if we have social supports being built, therapeutic and counseling supports, uh, community supports for these parents, um, that's I think a key in helping parents adjust so that they can do the best for their children. Yeah. No, I think I mean, and the complexity of it with a couple that's already has a history that's already strained, if they've gone through a bad divorce, it kind of, it just seems like a lot of times we've yet to really address the issue 
And I mean, of just some of the basic relationship issues. So now we're supposed to get together. We're supposed to be able to, you know, get get everything to work. So when we come back, I really want you to to kind of dive in with us and maybe help us a little bit understand what are some of the what are some of the great principles you see that that create effective co-parenting. Uh, what are some of the things we should be looking for? What are the things we should uh, you know? When, when do we know it's time to get some intervention? From, from some professionals. Also, I want to know uh, when we come back what we should do if we remarry. What role should the other, the new spouse, play in this role as co-parenting? I see that uh, creates a lot of issues. We're talking with the good doctor Edward Crook, uh, social worker, uh, professor of social work at the University of British Columbia. We'll be right back. We're talking about how to uh, be more effective co-parents after the divorce. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. The Adams Family. Now, that's not a blended family, I don't think. They're not co-parenting. But it is a multi-generational family. They've got the vampire grandpa. Frankenstein lives there. Uh, We're talking today about, uh, you know, co-parenting. And when when you divorce, you move on. We still have to co-parent, and this isn't just, I don't believe, a subject for uh, those that have divorced. This is, this is some really good thought for all of us. We're seeing more and more divorce. It's part of the, you know, the fabric of our country now. It's a big part of our life. When I grew up, I was one of the only people I knew whose parents were divorced, so I always felt kind of strange. It was an oddity. Now, more and more, it's happening, right? And so we want to make sure that uh, we know how to get through it and know how to work as co-parents. So we brought on our good guest, Dr. Edward Crook, who's joining us. He's an associate professor of social work at the University of British Columbia. He was also awarded the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal for his service and research on the best interests of children of divorce. He has his Ph.D. from the University of Edinburgh, and uh, he's, you know, he just is a pro at what he does. He knows what he's talking about. So, uh, Dr. Crook, welcome back to the program. Thank you. And um, here's what I want to know. With We divorce, okay? It happens. Um, there's a lot of just, I mean, some of it is, if people could be really good at divorcing, um, and, and creating a really good launching pad to go be good co-parents, what would you say would have to be part of that that separation? What, so when somebody's going through a divorce, what should they be looking for to make sure that as a co-parenting relationship, at least, we're going to succeed? Okay. So uh, I'll maybe just share a few guidelines uh, that parents might find useful. Yeah, that's um, great. But before I do, just to mention that a really good idea right off the get-go is uh, the development of a parenting plan that, um, you know, parents can negotiate together or with the help of attorneys or with the help of a mediator, 
however they prefer. And that, but let's uh, and tell what that is. So that's where they identify who will have the children when, how we'll be passing yeah. the children between us, how we'll work as a couple. Yeah, essentially it has two main parts. The first is the, the actual residential schedule, so where children, and, and it's a good idea to do this on a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, so um, the kids know and the parents are very clear exactly when, uh, where and when uh, children will be sort of residing in which parents' home. And they can talk about, you know, um, just how they're going to kind of establish a home-like atmosphere for each of the kids in each home yeah. and, uh, and so forth. The other part of a parenting plan, co-parenting plan, would be decision-making um, uh, responsibilities. So um, in regard to children's schooling, uh, medical issues, uh, religious upbringing, uh, so parents are kind of on the same page and, and to avoid conflict in future um, over those issues. So this would be done during the whole transition period of a divorce. But once they're sort of living in two separate households and co-parenting, um, a number of things that uh, parents should keep in mind. I think probably the primary thing is to just never denigrate the other parent yeah. or criticize the other parent because every time you do that, you're denigrating the child and you're undermining their own self-esteem because kids kind of see themselves as half their mother, half their dad. Right. And if you attack one uh, one of the parents, you're attacking the child directly. So that, that has major negative repercussions. Um, and and in the extreme cases, uh, we hear about parental alienation, so-called, yeah. um, where um, children are sort of expected to choose side, uh, sides between the parents in more extreme situations. One parent might try to foster the child's rejection of the other parent yeah. or manipulate the, the child to, to hate the other parent. Uh, now, hatred isn't uh, sort of a natural kind of emotion for for kids so um it has to be taught and that represents a really grave danger and you've written a lot on that you've written two or three articles that i just saw about alienation it really you we need both parents both parents bring something special to this relationship Mm -hmm. What, what, what does the research show about that i mean what what are we what would we be missing if we are missing one or the other well, there's uh, a lot of research on um, the effects of absence of one of the parents in uh, children's lives, and, and that's just a staggering figure, that, a very alarming figure that you cited earlier. Yeah. 43% of uh, kids in the U.S. are fatherless, mm. diminished self-concept, compromised uh, emotional and physical security, uh, kids are at risk of behavioral problems, um, truancy and poor academic performance, uh, delinquency, youth crime, promiscuity, um, addictions and substance abuse. Uh, 90% of runaway kids have an absent father. Uh, 85% of youth in prison have an absent father. Um, They're they're vulnerable to exploitation and abuse. Um, and a whole range of physical and mental health problems, not only in childhood, but particularly in adulthood, and, and their future relationships are uh, compromised as well. Wow. So um, dire uh, sort of consequences in that regard. So far and away, the most important kind of um, consideration in divorce is that you honor and respect the other parent's role um, in the child's life. So... Um, 
you know, and and uh, avoid, you know, arguing uh, in front of the child, avoid, you know, placing the child uh, in the middle of conflict. Um, if you have issues to discuss, kind of stockpile those issues and then deal with them, uh, not with the child present with the other right. parent. Which is one reason uh, why, like you suggest in your parenting plan, kind of going at it kind of a month at a time, you could make the plan a month ahead these are dad's days. These are mom's days. You can even, in the parenting plan, make rules about, in the event you can't do it, this is how we'll decide how we who gets the children those days. Exactly. But um, yeah. part of the benefit of that I've seen with my own clients is they don't, then we don't have to wonder every day. And it doesn't mean we're talking, we don't have to talk every day about just where the children are going. There's a point with a divorce, you, you don't need to keep texting and talking all day every day. <laughs> It's no. you, you should just kind of be moving on with the routine and letting some of the, you know, the planning kind of govern. Exactly. And, you know, um, yeah, you definitely don't want to be having to connect with your ex every day. But um, with a parenting plan for the first couple of months, at least anyway, yeah. it's really good to have as much specific, concrete specifics outlined and you stick to the you know, letter of the agreement. Right. But over time, things begin to relax. You know, the dust settles a little and uh, able to kind of let go some of the conflict uh, that characterized your relationship previously. And you can live more kind of according to the spirit of the agreement rather than the letter of, right. the, you know, of the agreement yeah. uh, idea. So a lot of flexibility and uh, adaptability and consideration of the other parents' needs and so on. And it just becomes you know, a much more relaxed kind of uh, arrangement. Um, for those parents who are really locked in high conflict, um, it's probably a good idea to um, to consider the option of what's known as parallel parenting to begin with, meaning yeah. that you don't have a lot of, uh, you have like a really firm ironclad agreement around the scheduling and and the other issues. Um, but you're not necessarily in regular contact. Mm-hmm. So you, um, you kind of parallel in, uh, you parent in a parallel kind of manner. Yeah. Uh, but over time, that sort of parallel parenting can transform itself to be more cooperative and um, where you can actually communicate in a civil way. It's a, it, you, yeah. I'll go ahead. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing um, as a child of divorced parents. As a kid, I never saw my parents. So once they divorced, I never saw – they never really had conversations in front of me. So it was kind of nice. I never knew there was conflict. And we did some weird things where on Christmas, my dad – Christmas mornings, my dad would be there. For a few years, he was there. And my mom facilitated that, and he had her mom over. So it was was still kind of – you could see that they were doing everything they could for us. Um, Then it was really interesting – Lately, as they're now adults and we're kind of all adults, they come together for family events or, you know, a child's baptism or whatever. But it's it's actually pretty beautiful to have my grandkids see my mom and dad in the room together talking. It's yeah. and, and like literally one time it happened just recently and I just said all of my kids were around me and I'm like, look, grandma and grandpa are talking because I had never seen it. And um, so then all of a sudden be cordial again. It almost kind yeah. of makes you feel more whole. Yeah, it, of course, and uh, and that's that's a great example. Even you know, with grandkids, they they see, they kind of appreciate that uh, that that uh, bond that's there because yeah, they're the grandparents, so yeah. they they want to see 
cooperation and support, mutual support, and so on. Yeah. You know, uh, divorcing parents span a wide range from, you know, perfect co-parents to highly conflicted. And, you know, you have to use different sort of approaches. Yeah, we need a different style. I mean, and that's what we need to be flexible about it. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Dr. Edward Crook. Uh, expert and author of the uh, the book uh, Divorce Fathers: Children's Needs and Parental Responsibilities. We're coming back, uh, getting more ideas, more tools to co-parenting children as we've gone gone through a divorce. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. The Monster Mash. We're trying to make a little, uh, you know, tribute to Halloween. It's a weird mix. And we're talking about co-parenting after divorce. You know, that's a mash. It's a mashup. Uh, We want to make our relationships as effective as we can. It's not easy, right? It's not easy taking uh, two people that have gone through a really difficult relationship who have divorced and then co-parenting and and making that work. The reality, though, it works. People can make it work. Um, And and to some degree, even our our guest is even teaching us that, you know, it can it can be a lot better for even the family and the kids than it would have been um, maybe when they were under all of the pressure and the arguing that uh, may have surrounded the divorce. We're talking with Dr. Edward Crook, who's joining us. Associate Professor of Social Work at the University of British Columbia, author of the book Divorced Fathers, Children's Needs and Parental Responsibilities. He's also a blogger on Psychology Today and blogs for the Co-Parenting After Divorce blog. But he has been uh, recently was awarded the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal for his service and research in the best interests of children of divorce. We're so appreciative of you being here, Dr. Crook. Thanks, uh, thanks for the insight. Absolutely, my pleasure. It's great. What yeah, uh, when on. when you when you think of this? Um, I mean, it's, it's what's the impact on the kids to have two homes, two bedrooms, you know, two schedules. Is is it's sometimes you know you hear people think no just give them one I mean what's the real what's the best thing or is it just depend on the kid? Well, that's one of the um, uh, arguments raised against the idea of co-parenting. Um, and by the way, I would define co-parenting as uh, kids spending at least you know forty uh, percent of their total time with each of the parents. Mm. You know, it's not yeah. a strict uh, you know figure, but uh, meaningful, you know, relationships with both uh, parents. And the reason I really promote it is that uh, that's become the, the normal uh, pattern in two-parent families. So after yeah. divorce, why would you disrupt that? Um, there's more instability caused um, uh, with a situation where kids are actually living in one home and have lost um you know, contact or, you know, meaningful contact with the other parent. Yeah. 
Um, but but it is raised um, as an objection, you know, by those who uh, really don't like the idea of co-parenting. Um, and um, but in fact, the research seems to um, really support the idea that, um, be, in as much as co-parenting preserves. Uh, kids' relationships with both parents, and actually co-parenting reduces conflict, because sometimes people sort of would argue that, yeah. no, it's not, not good because kids are going to be caught in, in the middle of conflict more. No, in fact, um, conflict goes down in shared uh, co-parenting arrangements, oh, interesting. Uh, and it goes up when um, kids are residing with one home. So overall, in one home, and uh, and then the other parent is constantly trying to gain access, and the parents are continuing to fight over that. When neither parent feels threatened that they're going to lose their kids in a custody battle, that mm. you know that there's maybe a, perhaps a law that um, presumes that co-parenting is is going to be the default arrangement yeah. if they can't agree then, you know, neither is threatened with the loss of their kids, and they kind of start out on the right foot. So there's really nothing to kind of argue about there with, um, it, it seems with like, respect to the kids anyway. Yeah, it seems like what I see a lot of is, and you mentioned it, if, if you don't, at the time of the divorce, go after a very proactive co-parenting plan, and a lot of what I see down here in the States, and I don't know if you see it up in Canada, is kind of the legal system defaults to just very, you know, boilerplate verbiage and minimum state guidelines with the assumption that they'll figure it out later. But, yeah. but I mean, so if all of a sudden you're starting a parenting arrangement and you've already got the minimum guidelines uh, and you're a father, for example, you're going to be frustrated that, oh, no way, I'm already relegated to the minimums. So yeah. it's, there's almost benefit to having a strong discussion at the time of the divorce where we can at least... Let's let's hammer that out, and that might actually eliminate. We're going to co-parent. We're going to try to make a co-parenting agreement so we can actually get rid of some. It's a harder discussion, but it'll eliminate more arguments down the road. It seems like. Oh, definitely. And parents are having those discussions even you know before having children that right. they make a commitment that. You know, uh, the n- normal arrangement now is that both parents are working outside the home, even with, you know, young children. Right. And um, and therefore, uh, fathers have to kind of pick up the slack a little bit and take on more of a, an active role, and they want to take on that role. Mm-hmm. I think most fathers these days aren't very happy with, you know, being uh, relegated to, you know, second-class status as, as parents. So within the two-parent family, um, you know, we're seeing a shared parenting kind of arrangement. And you know, people have talked about that ahead of time. So definitely um, important to have that discussion um, around, uh, well, you know, uh, heaven forbid, you know, that uh, separation occurs and uh, we end up uh, having to live in separate households. Uh, what's going to happen as far as, you know, co-parenting our kids? How are, right. how are we going to do that? Yeah, the research evidence is just overwhelmingly, you know, strong in regard to supporting uh, co-parenting over single parenting. It seems healthier. I mean, it seems more, we had them together, we had them for a reason together, we love them together. It seems like we've got to find a way now to to have both active roles in their lives. Uh, One of the things that I'm wondering, though, is we also bring different philosophies and different approaches Mm. and different needs and expectations. Um, How, like, for example, how do we do you sense that we synthesize these different philosophies we didn't we didn't get along when we were together 
now how do we how do we kind of move past some of the stalemates of discipline and bedtime habits with our kids? Mm. Well, this is where we find kids are actually quite resilient and adaptable. Uh, you know, it's assumed that kids need exactly the same routine in both households and that, they, um, that parents use exactly the same disciplinary methods right. uh, and, and behavior management kind of strategies with their kids in both households. There has to be absolute consistency. Well, that, that's absolutely not true. Um, parents can have very differing lifestyles, uh, differing philosophies around child rearing, not markedly different, but, you know, but yeah. in some important ways, um, very different routines. And kids are just fine with that. It's amazing how well they adapt. I think where problems in adapting occur is when they, they're not seeing one of their parents or, again, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're witnessing a lot of tension and conflict. Um, the key for parents is to respect the other parents' uh, parenting style, lifestyle, don't denigrate, get the extended family members on board with that as well, you know, because sometimes they're fueling the conflict as well, or, or they're, they're putting children in the middle. Um, and um, that, um, yeah, recognize that there are, you know, differing styles of parenting, and they're all good. And uh, so, you know, one can be a little more permissive than the other, uh, or, you know, bedtime routines may be a little bit different. Uh, where there are serious concerns, though, uh, find a time to um, discuss these with, uh, with the other parent with, without the kids present. Right. And just express your concerns and try to communicate in a respectful uh, and civil manner. If you need kind of a third party to assist you uh, um, so you don't denigrate the other parent because things can really spiral out of control very quickly, you know, consider doing that as well. But... Um, but the the key really is just uh, mutual respect, and the kids will adjust. Well, and, and that forte, like, so if somebody has a forte of being the disciplinarian, and the other has, uh, you know, the ability to just be laissez-faire, laid back, uh, those are traits that are probably in the DNA now of your children. Yeah. And so to mm-hmm. to see that you have a wife that respects, you know, the husband's. You know, let's be let's still be di- disciplined and diligent or a husband that respects the laissez-faire approach. I mean, we're teaching our children how to value and respect the traits. Um, and when we may yeah. be different. Yeah. And, and, you know, dad's a little more laid back. Mom's a little more, you know, focused or structured. But we can use both of them still. They're both good. It's both good approaches. Yeah, and, you know, kids have to learn that um, people, uh, you know, the world out there, uh, people are vastly different, and uh, uh, and they're going to have to relate to, you know, a wide variety of styles of, you know, communication and yeah. relating. And, you know, this is, in a way, good training for them. The other thought I had was that, you know, the two very different styles of parenting, um, when uh, kids are, you know, when the when kids are living together with you know, both parents, and both parents have, you know, differing styles and maybe tension over the different styles, uh, that can be a little confusing for kids. But actually, when they're living in two separate households, it becomes less confusing, and they uh. seem to adapt quite well. Oh, interesting! It might be more confusing in one household. Yeah, where they're yeah. living together with mom and dad versus two, because there's obviously this will feel more like dad's approach. This will feel more like mom's approach. Exactly. It seems like uh, having the – some people have not let go of the divorce. They haven't let go of the pain caused by the other partner. And because they haven't let go, they let that creep into the parenting. Yeah. 
And, and so it seems like if you're not having – if you can't move on in a co-parenting relationship, maybe one of the issues that needs to be addressed is you need to go maybe seek some counseling on your own for how to let some of the stuff of the past go. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's quite typical in divorces that one parent has moved on and uh, has come to terms with the end of the marriage uh, and um, and is, yeah, kind of at a completely different stage than the other parent who feels like they've just been hit by a truck. They're like in absolute shock. Yeah. So uh, you have to allow a little bit of time for that to sink in to the, you know, the parent who was not prepared for it. And uh, I think there has to be some understanding on the part of the leaving parent, you know, in that regard. You can't really even negotiate uh, in any effective way when you're in shock. So, you know, need a little time and definitely support. Divorce counseling support, um, for example. but that does, over time, usually subside, and uh, and then you can kind of get on with negotiating and planning. Um, the trick is that sometimes people uh, are just in so much shock, they can't see themselves, you know, working through the logistics of a co-parenting arrangement, right. and yet the divorce is happening, separation is happening, you kind of have to get on with it. So it takes a really, you know, in those cases, if there's a third-party mediator, takes a lot of skill to sort of address those needs of both parents that are in completely different, you know, situations yeah. of uh, readiness to kind of get on with their lives. What, what do you think is the role of um, the new significant other, the new spouse? What yeah. role should they be taking uh, to not step on toes, but to also, you know, be an enabling, I mean, a strengthening source of continuity? Yeah. Well, the key is not to get into any kind of adversarial relationship between the step-parent um, and uh, the the other parent uh, in the other household kind of thing. Uh, and, um, you know, repartnering, uh, remarriage, uh, it always kind of throws a wrench into the works. And, uh, you know, where things may have been, you know, amicable, then all the tensions seem to surface again. So you need a little bit of time. Um, and support to adjust to that. But probably the most important factor uh, for the new uh, partner is uh, not to take on the role of the parent, you yeah. know, uh, and, um, and, and, re- and really honor and value, you know, not both parents' role with the kids and support that. So don't try to replace the other parent um, and just respect the importance of both parents in the kids' lives and be there kind of in a supportive way. So healthy. Uh, Yeah. I mean, really, to then have just – you have your mom and your dad, but then you have other strong support circling you, that's – that has very big benefits. I don't see how it couldn't. One more question and we got to go. So imagine, Dr. Crook, that there's some guy or gal out there – they listen to this. They they just realize as co-parents they're not cutting it. They're not doing it. They see their kids are suffering. They need their their other parents more. Um, what what should people do right now if they've kind of been that parent that just was ostracized and and uh, fell away? What should they do to get back? How do they get back and and build up a safe place for their kids again? Yeah. Well, the key would be uh, that um, parents recognize that 
both parents recognize that children need both parents. That's essential. And, uh, and that you work toward um, supporting the other parent to be a responsible parent. So uh, the parents are kind of key to yeah. you know, the other parent's uh, relationship. We don't want a situation where mothers are kind of the gatekeepers of father's relationship or fathers right. are the gatekeepers of mother's relationship. So I think essential is that we work to, uh, toward law reform in this area um, in uh, establishing kind of a legal presumption of shared parenting. Mm. Uh, but within that, then, um, use the support services that have been developed uh, to provide assistance to parents. So this could be um, a family mediator who is a neutral third party that can help you get through uh child-related conflicts and help you develop a co-parenting plan that's going to be, you know, responsive to your kids' needs and also your own needs as parents. But very important that, you know, if we kind of take it from a child-focused yeah. perspective. Yeah. Think of the kids. And then, you know, the even more specialized services like parenting coordination, where you've almost got a coach there yeah. right on site to kind of help you work through. But, um, yeah, the one thing that I don't think we have enough of is our reunification programs in those situations where huh. parents have become, you know, separated from their kids from an extended period of time. Yeah, how to kind of bring to them back, back in. And, back in the kids' lives. I think that's, uh, you know, really where we need to build more supports for parents, no doubt about it, because that's a tricky one. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, and, and this is, this can go on forever. We're going to have you back, Dr. Crook. Uh, this is such a big deal, and Parents, don't give up. Let's just see what we can do. There's, the resources are there, as we just heard. Go yeah. check out uh, Dr. Uh, Crook's website, edwardcrook.com. And uh, also check out that book, Divorced Fathers, Children's Needs and Parental Responsibilities. Appreciate uh, the conversation. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Werewolves. What's it called? It's called Werewolf with a Chinese Werewolves of London. Have you never heard that? I've heard the song. I don't. When I hear a song, I don't always remember the name. Because sometimes I'm dancing. Okay. And when you're dancing to Werewolves from London. Here it goes. You ready? Yeah. Uh, For those of you that aren't in the studio, you just miss Sky Boy. Lip syncing. <laughs> Werewolves of London. It's one of my dad's favorite songs. It's a I listen song. to this a lot growing up. I love it. I love it. Hey, I'm going as Johnny Cash today. I know music. Yeah, that's a good tune. I'm going to put that in the old uh, in the old iTunes. Hey, uh, we've been talking today on the Matt Townsend Show about uh, divorce and co-parenting after divorce. And have you ever wondered why women tend to get custody more often than men? Are the laws biased or, you know, is that just based on public opinion? Our own Hannah Montana has been doing some research about this. Hannah, what have you found? Um, so there's a couple different aspects of uh, why women get custody more often than men. Uh, but public opinion is actually that 
it should be 50-50. Really? Um, Arizona State University conducted a study. that's super interesting. They kind of had mock jury in different situations, and they had they had three cases. One in which the father provided 75% um, of the caregiving prior to the divorce, one in which the mother provided 75%, and one in which was 50-50. Um, in the 50-50 case, 69% of participants thought living time should be divided equally, huh. and the remaining selected live with mother but spend a lot of time with dad. Hmm. And in every single one, even when it was 75-25 in both – in 75-25, it's still – still most people said 50%, um, and everyone else still said – well, dad, they should live with mom, but still get a lot of time with dad. Isn't that interesting? So the public opinion says we should be splitting it more evenly. Well, and I think that the the problem with a lot of the judicial system is that so they say that they're uh, doing it in the best interest of the child. That's how they determine yeah. who, who they live with. But the factors the courts consider in discerning where those best interests lie favor the mom. Yeah. Um, it's who is the who, primary who's around caregiver. Them longer, who's yeah. done the bathing? Who's done the cooking? Who's done the hair? Absolutely. Parent-child bond, who's yeah. closer with, who's going to foster the relationship with the other parent. Um, and no matter what, all mm-hmm. of that's going to favor most women. Well, especially historically when there was the stay-at-home mom and then dad would go work. So the stay-at-home mom was around the kids. Yeah. The dad was, you know, doing his part. And then if they divorced... Dad, because he was working, mom was home with the kids. It's obviously not going to be split fair. Now, here's the dilemma that I see with my clients. Uh, then, so the woman a lot of times wins custody. She gets more of the custody time. She also has a bigger impact on her financially and her ability to go earn because she probably she may not historically have been earning as much mm-hmm. historically. And she also has all the custody. So she has more of the time, more of the focus, more of the energy, and a deficit financially, and needs to still go get the job to work and make ends meet. Yeah. So in a weird way, it you know we all kind of think, well, yeah, they're moms. Let them be with the kids. But it, it takes a toll on these women. That's why there's so many of these single moms that are just yeah, underwater. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really weird if you go back in history when divorce wasn't really a thing yeah. that actually if a woman tried to leave her husband, he would keep the children. Yeah. Um, it was very typical that women had almost zero rights. Wow. And now to just see this uh, complete flip. And I think that the right way is definitely in between. Yeah. I mean, both parents are absolutely necessary. Right. And it should be assumed, even in contentious cases, that – both parents should have 50-50 custody. Oh, and it's so complicated. I just see so many. There's so many nuances to this whole thing. Uh, it, it's one of the hardest fields. That's I, So after divorcing people forever, I not forever, for two years, it exhausted me. I couldn't do it. And it's so nuanced. And some parents shouldn't. And some parents should have more parenting time. And it's there's no one way to just – Yeah, mean, there's we, not a one-size-fits-all. can't just let the all. court just say, yeah, do that. Oh, it's hard. Good research, by the way. It We're going to be all over it. We're going to um, take a break. We're going to come back. When we come back, our good friend Julie Nelson is going to be joining us. She's uh, the author of Parenting with Spiritual Power. Today, we are going to get into uh, gatekeeping. You know, how much information should we share? How much shouldn't we share? How do we not lose ourselves in all of that uh, control? This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Happy Halloween, by the way, right here from BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. If you've ever seen the video of this, the thriller, you know how Michael Jackson throws his claws out to the right and to the left? Skyboy's doing that right now as we speak. It's kind of freaky. There it is. He did it. He's like, wait, wait till, wait, wait till the, and then he threw his claws up. Just wait. Okay. Hey, welcome back to the show. Today we've been talking about co-parenting after divorce. We have a new guest, uh, old friend. I guess we shouldn't be using the word old today, should we, Julie? <laughs> no. It's Julie's birthday. Julie Nelson is here, 32 years old. Yeah. You look great. Exactly. Uh, Julie is a, a great friend of the show. She's one of our top contributors, wife, mother of five children, author of Parenting with Spiritual Power, received a master's degree in marriage and family and human development. She teaches everywhere. She's been on everything. You can find her on her website, nelsonjuliek.com. Yes, it's a little awkward. Letter K. Letter K. Nelsonjulieletterk.com. Julie. Welcome Hello. to the show. Hey, thanks for bringing your own birthday present cake. I have to do that sometimes. Oh, man, it looks so good. Mm-hmm. I will partake after the show. But I guess the rest is for me because apparently everyone's already eaten. Half of it's gone because the rest of the yeah. crew took it. You know, Sky Sky's on a diet or he can't have any breads or, or like pumpkin bread with um, chocolate chips. He's allergic to chocolate. That's not true. It's pretty much all I eat. We just actually. called him Pumpkinhead when we walked in because he's got this <laughs> flaming orange hair. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's so, that's actually his costume. <laughs> yeah. He's who are you going as today? Um, I was going as a trumpet. Remember? Oh, that's right. He's yeah. our trumpet. Because well, anyway. he's well, yeah, whatever. Anyway, it's a long story. Um, I'm going as uh, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. And I'm going as a tired mom. Wow, mm-hmm. you look. Great. You are the part. <laughs> it's your birthday. You wake up. Mm-hmm. You think, this is going to be the greatest day of my life. Yeah. But you actually didn't wake up because you were asleep all night. You were awake all night. I was awake all night. We got a new puppy and it's been yapping for the last couple of nights yeah. and didn't get much sleep. In fact, no sleep at all, pretty much. Really? Yeah. And so. Where then, were the kids? It seems like the kids would yeah, be all over Yeah. Well, that you know, puppy. and I got up grumpy okay. because when I'm, I don't sleep well, I'm grumpy. Yeah. So I wake up. And I grump at my youngest, who that's his dog. Okay. Why did you let him yap all night long? I didn't get any sleep. He's yapping now. Go downstairs. So first off, first words that come out of my mouth on my birthday is, you know, not nice. Yeah, you weren't. Kids. You were. I was not at the top of my game. Right. So I, I yeah, I'm mad. Yeah. So I've never. And, can, tell me more about this because I've never gotten up that way. Yeah. Yell at your kids first no. thing in the morning. Mm-mm. And so then I start feeling really guilty, you know, ah. go back to bed. I try to get some sleep this morning. Didn't get anything. I come out and feel really bad because it's Halloween. It's my, you know, I shouldn't have tried, treated my kids that way. I walk out on the table is this huge poster from my kids. And I'm not, turning, really? I'm not turning 32, but I'll, I'll give you a clue. It okay. said 50 things we love about our mom. Oh boy. I look down. The first thing I see is she's always cheerful. Oh man. <laughs> see, oh. that's a, that's a knife in the heart. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's a bad start. Yeah. Well, has it gotten better? It's gotten better. Okay. I went out to lunch. and Do you still have the better. dog? Yeah. Man, but I'm buying a nu- muzzle or something. I would. Yeah. If you want, Sky will take it at night. <laughs> You'll babysit. Sky's up all night studying. I would love night to have studying. you all night. Yeah. yeah. It'd be fun. <laughs> Plus he cuddles. <laughs> You'd be my friend. I'll have a friend. You'd have it's a friend. It's a cute yeah. dog. It's a cute dog. What kind of dog real fast? Yorkie. Oh, cute. They're yappers. Yeah, but you could step on those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those are squishers. Do you want to tell, I want to tell you a funny story. What? So my friend, 
I mean, my daughter had a friend who she went to some guy's house on a date. There's a huge love sack in the basement, right? Yeah. And she, it's her first time to make the good impression with Uh the family. Oh, I love you, love sacks. (laughs) Runs in, jumps on the the, love sack and she hears a little... There had been a Yorkie inside there, and she'd broken its back when she laid down. <laughs> there had been a, Yor- a Yorkie. <laughs> she, when she jumped on it and laid down she on it, she killed the family killed, dog. She killed the family dog. Holy cow. That. It died? Yeah. Bro- okay. Broke its back. That's a, okay. One of the worst That's dates ever. That's a bad first impression. It is. Because how do you talk your way It was somewhere that? in that love sack, but they, they didn't see it because, it, you know, yeah. tiny dog, big. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. See, that's why you need a bigger dog. Yeah. You could never do that to a Great Dane. <laughs> oh, my heavens. Okay. So, you know what? Your birthday could be worse. You yeah. could have killed someone's dog. I could have killed the dog. I felt like it all night long, though. I know. It, you feel Ring bad. that little neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me about, um, you're, you deal with, you coach, you train, mm-hmm. you teach parenting skills. Mm-hmm. But it seems like in co-parenting, there's not a lot of skills. I mean, I mean, we have skills, but a lot of people don't know the skills to co-parent. Right. Who trained you, you yeah. know? And we just kind of go off a lot of um, instincts. And at that point in your life, you're in recovery mode and right. you're just trying to protect your yeah. interests. And you just get back into survival. And you're not doing what's in the best interest of your kids. It's just what I can do to yeah. make, you know, make this work. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not what's best for the children. No. Well, and, and it seems like and then it's easy to kind of take your frustration because that jerk mm-hmm. had an affair. That's why we're done. Yeah. And I didn't want yeah. this yeah. and he wanted it. And then what we do is we just kind of withhold information. Mm-hmm. We start mm-hmm. we start hunkering down. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What's the, it's what's, a protective. Yeah. The, the, what doctor, the, the, the previous Dr. guest. Dr. Crook, yeah. I really appreciate what he mentioned at the end. The last uh, question was, you know, he talked about gatekeeping. Yeah. And that's, it can be a good thing. And research talks about gatekeeping in a good way where you are protective of your children. You know, imagine, Matt, that a man or a woman stands in front of a gate and he stands there and he he lets in who he wants to let in. The the good influence, you know, good influences on their children, but leaves out what is not good. But, you know, even in parenting, there's gatekeepers. And, and typically in maternal gatekeeping, they say in the research, is that when a mom, she has a new baby, she tends to gatekeep in keeping the new husband, or the new father out where, well, he's no good around the baby. You know, so yeah. she kind of muscles him muscles out. Muscles him out. Or, you know, even in house domestic housekeeping, you know, where, oh, he's not, he is no good with a broom. Yeah. You know, I'm better at this. And he, and he starts to feel inadequate. Right. And that's a negative in parenting. Now, in co-parenting after divorce, this can turn nasty. This you can, can see, you really, can see, because yeah. you're nursing wounds, mm-hmm. you have revenge, you have self-pity, you have anger. So that gatekeeping becomes a weapon, Yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And so there's various ways that this comes out in um, really unhealthy ways. Well, even like, um, you know, if, if you divorce, you both have legal rights to be in the decision maker for your children, yet... You know, if the mom is closer to the school and the mom goes to school, she finds everything out about school. Mm-hmm. Dads could even be, you know, edged out or, by the way, vice versa. One parent could be edged out and not have the information. Right, right. Yet the dad has a right. So some of that is even if you're not getting the information, it's not always the the, the other party's responsibility to inform you. Mm-hmm. It's also your responsibility to go get the information you need, right? Absolutely. One way that the, the, the custodial parent will gatekeep in a negative way is if they get the those notes home in the backpack. Yeah. How will the non-custodial parent know to come to parent-teacher conferences?
consequences right. unless you make the effort. Yeah. But see, you want to kind of muscle him out because that's a control issue well, yeah. of you and know, a jerk. I don't want him in my life anyway. Right. Why would Why would I right. want him there at parent-teacher conferences? I have to stare at the jerk. Yeah. So you don't tell him that information. That becomes a sure. real point of of of, uh, of conflict because then the children miss having that other parent there. Oh yeah, they feel the the absence, and that is punishing the children. Totally. Absolutely punishing the children. So you need to let the father, whoever that person is, know what's going on in their day-to-day mm-hmm. lives. That sharing, that passive information, and it takes a strong person who looks past the hurt, yep. say, but what's best for the kids? They need to have the, the father or the non-custodial parent know this information so that when they go to stay with him, he knows what's going on yeah. in their daily lives. What it's not are like we studying, right? Yeah, yeah. They need to know what's going on in mm-hmm. school and in scouts and with sports. Because if not, they are a stranger in their child's life. Yeah. They're a bystander. That every other weekend, the kid comes and they're like, well, so how are you now? Right. And they have no, no point of, of conversation. Th- right, then right. it seems like it self-fulfills. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, he's not getting any information. He's not showing up mm-hmm. to stuff. Mm-hmm. The kid doesn't even expect him to show up. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden... He's out of his life. Yeah, and then the mom can use that as, well, look, see, your dad doesn't care about yeah. you. Know, but but it, so dads should be, or anybody, the mm-hmm, non-custodial right. should be saying, look, I have some rights yeah. to know. Mm-hmm. And but his relationship with a school teacher is independent. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just have to go through the, the mother. Mm-hmm. He can go create. So if you're divorcing, go create a relationship with your school teachers. Yeah. Go, create a, go into the class. Go be a part of it. Mm-hmm. it. It really means they have to do twice as much work as mm-hmm. they're used to. Mm-hmm. You can't be as out- you can't, you can't, because both of you aren't together. You can't rely on uh-uh. the other spouse that when you were living together uh-huh. to tell you all the day-to-day information that and, you would have heard. And that you don't have, like, a lot of times one partner will never go be in the classroom, mm-hmm. but the other one will. Yeah. That's easy to do because we're a team. Mm-hmm. Well, when you divorce, you're not a team per se, so right. get in the classroom. Right. You, you. you take the initiative and at the divorce decree, find out how you can make it equ- equitable uh-huh. in having rights to access yeah, in the child's life, yeah. access to information. To, to med- medical checks, right. find out about the appointments, mm-hmm. what, were, what mm-hmm. was said by the dentist, Absolutely. what are we doing about the braces? Absolutely. Yeah. Then he doesn't feel – he feels validated and yeah. connect, or she feels validated, connected in the life of the what children. What do you think about uh, – like the phone calls are a big deal. That's a – you need to make sure your kids are talking to their other parent. Mm-hmm. Now, to what degree is it your responsibility? Yeah. To what degree is it the responsibility for the one parent to call every night? Mm-hmm. But don't ever get in the way of that. No. Make sure you're not getting in the way of that. Right. And in the home, make sure that there is a atmosphere of acceptance uh-huh. towards the non-custodial parent. Yeah. The best thing I've ever heard, the best advice I've heard was, um, you divorced their father, they didn't. Yeah. So in the home, he's still their dad. Their dad, he did, or or the mom. You yeah. know, I'm just saying the dad for yeah. the first time's sake. But you know, the point is, is that he's still present in their life, and so you refer to him as dad, not your father. Yeah. You know, your dad is going to be doing this, dad, as if he were there, because in their minds, they they still have a dad right. as important as, as ever. That's such good advice. Yeah. The best, the best feedback I ever heard about my father was from my mother's mother. So when I was with my mother's mother, she would always tell me how great my dad was. Mm-hmm. And that was so building because it's like, oh, wow, grandma, mom's mom, mm-hmm. loved dad. Yeah. And I would hear about it. And it's hard sometimes when you're divorced 
to be able to be that mature. You have to you have to look past your pain and hurts and say again what's best for the children and when they have in the home create the atmosphere of acceptance not gatekeeping and say wow you're going to go be with dad this weekend I'm so excited for you uh, rather than oh I'm getting all anxious about you going with the enemy yeah. and I'm going to start poisoning you yeah. now so, so be excited about and talk about him or her in a positive way. And, and then when be, they come home talk about yeah, it. Yeah what debrief. did you do and, yeah. and I'm so happy you could be with, with him. But like this how about this question? Mm-hmm. Was dad's friend there? <laughs> was dad's friend with him? Yeah. What did they do? What did they say? Did dad's friend say anything about me or anything? I mean, if you're into that, <laughs> yeah. you're setting yourself up. Right. And Ryan. you can't sit there and be all mopey. I remember right when my parents divorced, we'd leave for a holiday and like go spend a day with my dad or something. And my mom would be sad because she's losing the kids on Christmas Eve or mm-hmm. Christmas Day or whatever. And even though you're sad, we get it, but hide it. Yeah. Maybe that's where you gatekeep. Gatekeep some emotions gatekeep, that might right. Gaping, divide gaping could us. be good. And this is what I, I really liked um, about what you just said, Matt, was you have to look at it in a positive way. Yes, you're losing your kids. And at first, it's kind of hard because it's a control issue. Oh, yeah. Again, it's you're losing control and power because it's going off to somebody else. And who knows what they're going to be They're having fun without me. Right. But the point is, is a single parent... That job is the hardest job on oh, earth. on earth. And it depletes all of your energies. Yeah. Recognize as a single parent that you need time off to yeah. replenish your energy. And plan ahead because if you know you're going to be in an empty home mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. Plan something to restore your Go somewhere. Yeah. Find the friend that can go with you yeah. or find a way to make that a better moment for you and actually take it as like a you know break. Yeah, you're going to the spa. Yeah. You're going somewhere because you need you time now because it's only you in the home. Love you it. take care of all these kids and you're going to be depleted. So look forward to every other weekend. It is your break. Yeah. Go on a marathon run. Go and watch movies, you know, all day long or yeah. whatever is fun for you. Banana bread or um, pumpkin, pumpkin bread. bread. Eat pumpkin bread all day long. That's what I would do. Yeah. And and then and when they come back you're a better parent and and here's the thing Matt is you should look at it as a positive in that they're going to go spend time with the other person on earth that loves them the most. Yeah. Who else would I want them to be with? It's vacation time for me. Right. I deserve this time so I can replenish myself and get back to who I am. Mm. Then I'll be mom again when they get back and be a better mom. And and be be you. Be one of my favorite thoughts about and I tell this to every couple I coach. Eventually, every one of your kids will be 30, and they're going to see through it all, yeah. and they're going to see who was healthy, and they're going to see who wasn't. Yeah. They're going to see, and they're going to start asking questions like, so what really happened? Yeah. And I remember when I hit that age, and I'm like, I started asking real questions. What? So what mm-hmm. did happen? Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting moment because it's not like forever – we think we're going to scope the message for our children, but there's a day they'll be an adult – and whoever's healthy, the, the healthy parent will show. Yeah. What I say, Matt, is when they're older and they start finding out what the truth is, and you don't burden with that yeah. too early, no. don't have your teenager become your confidant right. and emotionally, you know, parental. There's a gatekeeper parental, again. Yeah, Shut yeah. your mouth. Shut your mouth and don't unload on them. But you be the healthiest parent in their lives, and one day they'll know who had their best interest. Mm-hmm. All right, and, they'll figure it out. And if you're really blessed, you'll have two parents that – are really healthy and have best and interests. And both of them did. And there's an example of where divorce worked. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of times it's just mutual 
rearranging of chairs on the Titanic. Right. But don't bash them because yeah, no. if you bash, 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 then they'll know you didn't have their best interest mm-hmm. growing up. You were just wounded and you took it out yeah. on them. And I'm half of – so I'm half dad and I'm half mom. You bash my dad. You bash half right. of me. Right. And then I have to go make sense of right. that. Right, right. And right. it's subtle. And, they, and you put them in the defensive. Now yeah. I've got to defend the other half yeah. all the time. The parents, right. kids are having to – who am I defending That's now? Right. right. Isn't it a big – it's a big deal. And it's more and more a part of our lives. And I mean just uh, – my kids have friends whose parents are going through divorces and mm-hmm. it's a big deal. And the struggle these kids have and the just the instability it creates. Right. So parents, come on. Yeah. Get together. Yeah. And I like what Dr. Crook said as well is when you start uh, – you know. Uh, forming this relationship, you know, the, the everything's falling apart. You've got to put the pieces back together again. Do the best, most generous plan for the shared parenting. Yeah. You, you know, like you said, it's just kind of general. The courts are going to say, you know, make it up. Yeah. You know, you both get such and such time. But the details, mm-hmm. be generous with that partner. Yeah. So when you share those custodial responsibilities, say, what would that person benefit? Even though you may in your heart really hate them yeah. and they betrayed you, yeah. the kids, they didn't betray the kids. They didn't betray their their father yeah. or the mother relationship. So let them have the most generous plan with them. I love that. Yeah. And be careful because you, sometimes you hear people throw out the, um, well, I mean, what he's doing now or what she's doing now isn't appropriate and it's mm-hmm. just not good parenting. Mm-hmm. But I called somebody on that the other day. If you're going to throw out that they're not a healthy parent, then you got to go all the way. <laughs> And you got to go for sole custody because you can't just throw out mm-hmm. they're not a healthy parent, but mm-hmm. they – OK. We'll do it. If, if they're either healthy or they're not. And, and none of us are all no, completely healthy. Exactly. So be right. careful throwing that out because eventually it will get thrown back at you. Yeah. We are going to take a break with Julie. Um, hold it. You hear that, Julie? <laughs> the Beatles are singing to me. The Beatles are singing to you. It's Julie's birthday. We um, – we made some pumpkin cookies for her, and then she brought them in <laughs> and handed it to us. Uh, Julie's going to stick with us. We're going to come back. We're going to play a little bit of a game. Mm-hmm. Same situation, different parents. I guess you'll act like the mom. I'll act like the dad. We'll probably have a different approach. Sounds good. It's Julie's birthday. Julie Nelson's joining us from NelsonJulieK, letter K, dot com. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. A little game show music for you. Today we're playing the game, same situation, different parents. Who's got it? Merit. I do. Okay, ready? The magical merit. So your little kid comes down, they have been eating lunch, and you told them repeatedly to be careful. And yet they still manage to spill grape juice all over the front of them, and you have somewhere to go to in the next five minutes. What do you do? Matt, you're first. I would uh, I would move the couch over the grapefruit juice stain. Then I'd probably go to the couch or, that I moved and play Deer Hunter 2014. <laughs> Is it? Hold on. Are we supposed to fix it or just do what we do normally? Yeah, whatever. How you would deal with this? That's situation. my life. How would you deal? Deal. Dealt. Done. All right. So they've spilled grape juice all over themselves. Yes. 
Oh, on them. So I put would the couch tur- over the kid. I would put, <laughs> take their shirt off. Put the shirt under the couch. No, I would. T- I would turn the shirt around. Wow. See, ah, or else idea. stick a coat over him and say you're good to yeah. go. Put a costume on him. Yeah, Halloween costume. Tell him it's blood. <laughs> See, Julie's just like me, but she wouldn't put a couch on a kid. <laughs> just stuff the kid on the couch. Problem solved. Get in there. Get in there. <laughs> All right. Okay, those are these are easy. Situation two. Hmm. Kids are going back to school. Got to shop for them. Julie, what would you do? How would you solve the back to school problem? Um, I would say, here's a dollar. Go to DI. Interesting. Which is the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. The rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on. What? I don't see the problem. I'd. My and wife, there it is. There's the answer. On to the next situation. Would, my wife would, as she has every other year, take him out and buy him clothes. What's okay, but, but what would you do, Matt? What would I do? I'd call my wife. <laughs> no, 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 no. Matt would do this. He would find someone, marry them, oh, then he'd have single. a wife, oh, and then this have is her the divorce take them. I would yourself. say, I'd call my mom. <laughs> He's and so I'd lame. Say, mom, these kids need clothes. They're and naked. I'm working like crazy because we keep taking their shirt off because they keep spilling junk on it. Can you take them out? And she would. Is that bad? See, he relies on other people. You've got to do it yourself, Matt. Why? I'm trying to be their dad in Deer Hunt 2014. <laughs> Okay, here's your third situation. The kitchen is really dirty, especially after some experiments the kids were doing earlier. So it needs to be cleaned before bedtime. What do you do? Am I up? Yeah, Matt, you're first. I'd say it's a game time. We'd turn it into a competition. First child to uh, not the first. We'd have a game. First one to clean up Uh, gets daddy's love. Gets daddy's iPad for a half hour. Oh. Mm. Same thing, mommy's iPad. Wow. See? I'm all on Would you that. really? Mm-hmm. Game. Game it See? up. See? Mm-hmm. That's why we'd be great divorced people. <laughs> we should have married buddies. a divorce <laughs> because then we would have had the same. We, we're very much alike, mm. except for you take them shopping. No, you take them No, I, I gave them a do- no, I'll give a dollar. Send them on their way. Yeah, yeah. that's not good. Yeah. It's a buck. These are easy. Are all there right. more? Situation number four. Okay. Kids come home with bad grades, with bad report card. I don't know how they do them in Utah. Where I was from, they yeah. do them like every six weeks. So constantly, yeah. constantly on your back about grades. Yeah. All right, Julie, what would you do? So I'd say, gosh, is this the best grade you could possibly get? And if they say yes, I'd say, you know, I've noticed that every day after school until bedtime, you're playing deer. Hunter 2014. Boom! So I think Deer Hunter for 2014 has to go away for a while, and studying needs to happen, and then you'll get the grades. Okay, now you're talking trash. Mm -hmm. Nobody takes Deer Hunter 2014 away. (laughs) (laughs) See, we're we're pretending like that being is money. But if they had been studying like crazy, crazy, I mean, I'd say yes, and I see that you're studying every day of school, and that is the best grades you can get. But if they say, yeah, but they're playing all the time, I'm like, yeah, no. You find the hook. You just find what motivates them. Mm For some, you might say, it's no big deal. Uh, you're a junior in high school. Your grades are yours. Mm-hmm. We will be posting them on Facebook. Um, if that's what you want going out, that's what we'll do. We're good with that. Others, so, we just take away their so let's So, so let's, uh, you know, let, let's summarize that. Uh, one method is to analyze and punish one of them. The other one is a uh, public shame. It's not yeah. punish. It's taking it's, away privileges. Taking yeah. away privileges. That yes. they have, er, will earn once they put the effort into getting the best grades they can. Now, whether that's a B, a C, yeah. or A, that's the best grade I call they can. it parenting. It, uh, manipulation, embarrassment, shame, fear. 
It's called parenting. Also sounds like sounds like scare tactics. Yeah. But, but you know what? Results are results. Hey, okay? we didn't lay a hand on those kids. No. We just did everything else. Yeah. But I like but I like that if you can live with this and this is yeah. the, what your goal is, go for it. I just ran into that. And my son, we just said, I guess the phone's getting in the way. Let's just take the phone away. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I, I can pull it up, Dad. I can pull. And he pulled the grade up. Yeah. And he hasn't lost the phone. Actually, we're going to find out today. Yeah. Because we check in the grade stuff. Yeah. I, I, had, a, I had a colleague that was walking out of her office the other day. She had the big tower of the, uh, what was it? It was uh, some gaming system. The whole thing. I'm like, where are you going with that? She goes, my son just earned this back. I've been storing it in my office. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So just That's took parenting. it away for a while. That's called parenting. Who else knows how to parent but the, our own Julie Nelson mm. and the birthday girl? Uh, we're going to do a little birthday spanking once we're off the air. Line up, folks. <laughs> Time to spank. Julie. It sounds awkward. It's just something we do. Started with Skyboy. We're going to take a break. Actually, no, we're done. Man, be safe. Watch out for the little critters. Let's be healthy. Help eat your kids' candy so that nobody has a sharp razor in the candy. Don't take any candy from strangers. Well, you just ruined the night. That is Halloween, my friend. Thanks, folks. Uh, We'll be back again Monday or tomorrow with a uh, recap show, best of show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. 